date night. It is date night. Yes, it is. How are you feeling? We haven't done date night for a while. Yeah, because we've stopped liking each other. <laughs> there was a in there, and I was like, where are you going with this? I was about to say something far stronger than stopped liking each other, and... Uh... I don't think that's entirely true, unless you've got something to tell me. <laughs> this would be the time to do it, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be, yeah. Oh, thanks for that. Think yeah. of the ratings. Think of how viral we'd holding go. Holding the uh, microphone in between <laughs> us and uh, hearing that uh, things aren't particularly as good as I thought they were. Anyway. Thanks. Yes, it's been a little... It's not been that long. Uh, well, you know what? I said it and then straight away I was like... It's like two episodes ago. was it that we lasted a day? Now, it feels like a long time because... And you know why? It's because I can't remember what we did last day night. And I think that's probably um, the meaning behind me going, oh, it's been a while. Because I want you to go, no, Elaine, it's only been two weeks and we did X. <laughs> it's like, I can't remember what it is. What did we do? Hot Rod. Oh, of course we did. Of course we did Hot Rod. I mean, I've had to look it up myself. Yeah, but, I know. Uh, I, was, yeah. I wasn't going to mention that. Oh, it's one of those. <laughs> one of those weeks. So that was a film that you chose that I hadn't seen, that you had. Yes. I am going to completely mess up the format of Day Night, and I'm going to choose a film that we both haven't seen. Okay. I, wa- I, I, I had a film in mind. I had a film that I had seen and really liked, and you hadn't seen, and you probably would hate when I'm thinking about it, it didn't have electricity in it. Anyone who's listened to the podcast before knows that Mark really struggles with films that, where they don't have electricity. So, you know, it had all of that going for it. I thought it might be quite funny because I think you'd have things to say about it. But then I just got to this point in the evening and thought, you know what, I'm just not in the mood for that film. And we could come back to that another time. Okay. And actually what I want, what I really want to see is the film that everyone's been saying, have you seen? And I know I haven't, and I know you haven't, and I think it might be on one of your lists for the Oscars. So I thought we could just slightly tweak the date night format of a film that the other person hasn't seen to a film we both haven't seen, and maybe we could watch Tick, Tick, Boom. Wow, yes. Would that be all right? Oh, your little face is so happy. I'm so happy. Yes, I'm very happy with that. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm really pleased, because I didn't know how that was going to go down. But actually, your face is like really like properly... Yes, you're happy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I know a bit about this. Right, what do you know? I know it's a musical. Yes. It is the story of the guy who wrote Rent. Jonathan Larson. Okay. Only look that up two minutes before we put the recorder on, so <laughs> don't think this is anything good coming out of my mouth. And I know, I, I, I'm aware that he has quite a tragic story, but... Um, Obviously, I suspect this... I don't know whether this will be... I don't know whether it'll go into it or not. Because this was a... I, I don't, I'm not quite sure of the reality of this, whether this was a something that he wrote or whether this is his story or... Yeah, I'm not entirely sure either. Mm. Have you seen any clips of it? Because the clips have obviously been doing the rounds because it's been out for a little while now and it's in Oscar contention and... I would have seen things when it was initially released, but it's been so long mm. since... I saw one clip and I can't remember, I think one of our mates might have sent it to us or linked to it somewhere. I think actually, now I think about it, I think it was on social media and they'd linked to it and I watched it and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. There's so many levels to this musical and I think you will, I think you will, just from that one clip, I think you'll like the cleverness of it. And again, like you say, I'm not sure whether this is his story in musical form or this is the story of him creating Rent and therefore he's writing the music that ends up in Rent. I've never seen Rent. 
I don't know the songs from Rent. So this is going to be a bit of a funny one for me. I'm not going to be able to sit there and go, oh, yes, that's, you know, like in with Mamma Mia, for example. I go, oh, yes, well, that's SOS. That was released in 1970, blah, blah, blah. You, you know. must know Seasons of Love. Oh, is it called Seasons of Love? I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. What's, what's sing a bit? Nine million, ninety-one thousand, six hundred million. Didn't know that was from Rent, though. Thought it, it sounded a bit like a Katie Melua. <laughs> you, know, you know when you have all the nine million bicycles in Beijing? Okay. That's a fact. Well, this is. I mean, that. I mean, that. That's not the number that's in there. Oh, is it not? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, it's the number of minutes are in a year. That's the story. That's the story that's in the song. Okay. I'm referencing something else. Right. Which is a pop culture reference, which will come up at some point in the future. Okay, excellent. In okay. something else. I look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> People listening will understand what I mean. But yeah. What, will they understand it on this episode or will they yes. understand it in the future? No, they'll understand it. It, it was referenced in something. It was parodied. Not parodied. Anyway. Okay. It, it was used in something. Yeah, the, the theme of the song was used in something quite famously. And we'll come on to that. Are you Are you saying that? Are you saying we're going to actually... Are we going to mention that later on? No, or? no, 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 no. You're no, just no, going to no. leave that out there? No, we will come on to this in life. We will come on to this in life? Yes. So, wow, this is getting very odd. Yeah. I'm not understanding this at all. Brilliant. There is something that at some point we will watch that references that song. Right, gotcha. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it's much more complicated, this introduction, than I thought it would be. Let's watch Tick, Tick, Boom. Imagine yes, the layers yes. that are in this introduction oh, of Tick, Tick, wow. Boom. Uh, but it's um, Andrew Garfield. Who's in everything this year. Yeah, I was just about to say, as previously seen, and then thought, no, stop there, Elaine. People might not know that. So, yes, he's in everything. He's excellent. He's an, a, a presence. I think for someone who can look quite unassuming, there's so much power behind his acting. I remember when I found out that he was doing Angels in America on the stage, and I just thought, wow, that is that that is a major performance. That's something that requires stamina. It is incredibly emotionally draining. And when I heard the reviews coming out, that really, really supportive reviews, I just thought, wow. And I I think he's really well-liked as well. So I think there's a lot of goodwill behind him going into the Oscars. And when he wasn't nominated for BAFTA, there was a bit of an outcry, wasn't there? I don't know. I've not heard any of this. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't. I mean, I'm doubting myself now. But I'm sure he, in one of the big... In one of the big award ceremonies, he wasn't nominated and people were going, but why? See, I, I'm i trying to think what... Obviously, I've, I've seen him uh, as Spider-Man in the Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. films. Social Network is obviously a big one. Yeah. Was he in Never Let Me Go? Yes, he was. And I was in the back of my head as well. Yeah. Um, it's a very powerful film as well. Yeah, but I think that might be it. But mm. obviously, he seems to be such a, he seems to be such a nice guy whenever you yes. see him interviewed. Yeah. Um, very well liked yeah and, and obviously dated Emma Stone which is um, <laughs> that, that giving brownie points in your book uh, definitely definitely <laughs> definitely so have no idea who else is in this do you um, know who directed it uh, no but is Lin-Manuel Miranda did he write the song no of course no he didn't, he didn't. Did no, no no Jonathan Larson wrote Red yes. but, so did he direct it then Lin-Manuel Miranda directed it oh wow right <laughs> I choose the film but know nothing about it yes he wrote in the Heights, <laughs> he did the music mm-hmm. for Hamilton. No, he did something else that I've just seen <laughs> really recently. Uh, Encanto. Oh, I was 
was about to say, it's um, it's animated. Yes. But yeah, it's Encanto, yeah. We need to talk about Bruno. Oh, please don't. And please don't. he directed this last year. Yeah. So he's he's trying he's to get now. that EGOT, like, yeah. in any way that he can. Fair enough. Right, I haven't got anything else to say about this. And I feel we might just ramble on going, well, I wonder what Tick Tick Boom is about. Yeah, let's just so watch it. So should we just watch it? Yes. See you on the other side. <laughs> See you later. Hello. Hi. Welcome. I'm Jonathan Larson. I am 29 years old. I work at the Moondance Diner. Check. One sec. Do we take reservations? No, we do not take... We're, we're a diner. I have an original rock musical. Hey, boy genius. And I have spent the last eight years of my life writing. He's getting out. You're gonna be rich and famous. And rewriting. Did you crack it yet? Oh, I'm getting so close. And rewriting. Can I hear it? Any day now. Eight years! And the time keeps ticking. Tick, tick. You need to ask, are you letting yourself be led by fear or by love? Fear, a hundred percent fear. I don't know what the show is. Why do we play with fire? What if the workshop happens and nothing changes? What then, Jonathan? Maybe I'm just wasting my time. Do you know how many Jonathan Larsons there are? One. Why should we blaze a trail? There's not enough time. I went to three friends' funerals last year, and nobody is doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Try writing about what you know. What does it take to wake up the generation? It would be a tragedy to give up what you have. Take off and fly. Fear or love, baby, don't say the answer. Actions speak louder than They speak louder. Keep going. And we've been looking up all the cameos. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers from here on in? Yeah. Yeah. I think if you haven't seen Tick, Tick, Boom, go away, watch it, come back and join us. Would you when say you're to finished. watch it? I would. I would absolutely say to watch it. I would too. Yeah. I th- it's a recommendation, but I think there will be people out there that it, it, it's just not to their taste. Yes. I think you've got to be a fan of a musical. You've got to be a fan of overly emotional scenes where people start singing for no reason whatsoever <laughs> That's all. okay all right all right I, I see oh yes for a reason for a reason but it is that thing where people are talking and then suddenly they burst into song okay i would argue that there's more of a frame than there is to this there's more of a framing device in this than there is say in west side story or yes. um my fair lady oh yeah I, totally it's i'm all i'm saying is if you're not a fan of that stuff anyway, if you can't cope with the West Side Story and the My Fair Lady, you're yes. probably not going to like this either. No, but, I mean, it, it's quite an obscure film. 
uh, obviously it's an Oscar nominated film, but you're not going to find many people on a Friday night picking it up and going, do you fancy watching that biography of Jonathan Larson? Uh... Uh, uh, okay, only if, like, we did. <laughs> we wanted to, and a lot of love for it on on Tinternet, which is obviously where I get all of my yes, information from. We drive to work listening to, to Magic, Magic Musical. Musical. Well, this is, well, we're going yeah. around in a circle. I think this is what I'm saying is, yes, okay, you, your average consumer on the street... If you go up to them and say, oh, mu- musical with a incredibly complex device in terms of it's, it's a memoir, essentially, yes. and it's full of musical numbers, most of which you will not know. Yes. <laughs> that's going to be a hard sell. But for people like you and me, who, like you say, listen to Magic at the Musicals in the car <laughs> and sing all the songs, or play the, which musical is this from game, yeah. on the way to work, I think it's going to appeal to those people. I think it's a perfect um, sort of Friday night, Saturday night film, if you're in that sort of, that mood of, uh, I really feel like you need to be just sitting and ready and open for this, but you've got to just... Sit yourself on your sofa and go, right, just let me into this world and I will go with it. That's how I felt. I felt I just need to relax and put my shoulders down and take a deep breath and just immerse myself in this New York world of these young people in the very early 90s or, you know, well, 1990. Yes. Um, yeah. Because actually, it's... <laughs> and, Okay, you're going to roll your eyes at this, but just for everyone at home, I have spent the last week analysing memoir. So I am working on something for work and for myself, which means that I'm looking at the way that memoir is structured. And for me, I found this fascinating because it starts with the song 3090, which is he's turning 30 in 1990. Yes. And it's almost like it's throwaway. It's almost, oh, you know, I'm doing it. Let me set the scene. I'm turning 30. You know, I'm 29 now. I'm turning 30. You go all the way through the film. There's all sorts of twists and turns and moments and plot. And you end up a couple of days later when he turns 30 at the end. And I thought that was so clever that actually this was really set over a few days. But you get to understand the background to what those to that event, that, that couple of day event or that week event, you know, you, you, know, you know it's, got, it's a short period of time, but actually it feels like you've travelled so far. So for me, being incredibly analytical on this, because that's what I've been doing, it was the perfect opportunity for me to sit and really think about the structure and enjoy the structure of this particular film. You've already mentioned the nature of the framing device did yes. that work for you did you enjoy that sort of that i want to say meta but it's not meta it's just it's the way it's framed you're absolutely right so just for people who might not necessarily have uh, seen this the framing device is this is a not so much a one-man show but it is a almost like a monologue show mm. but with a accompanying band and singers um and that actually took place, Jonathan Larson actually performed this in 1992, as we found out. It is, uh, following his death, it since was revived mm-hmm. and went on to a, a major Broadway run and an off-Broadway run and I think a tour as well. But 
that is the framing device from which he is narrating the writing of his first musical that didn't get picked up. Spoilers. Mm. Um, And he has songs that accompany the moments in this and with these songs and in between the songs we see snippets of his life in his apartment hanging out with his friends writing the musical doing going about his life but yet you're quite right this takes place over two maybe three weeks mm-hmm. um of his life in 1990 um and for, so for me the framing device worked but i think it kept some of the emotional beats at a bit of a distance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there was uh, there are obviously massively emotional moments in this, but at times it they didn't quite tug at my heartstrings mm. as, and I don't quite understand why. Mm. I, I, I I really like this film. I really you know I, this is probably four stars for me, but I I suspect and I don't know enough about filmmaking to do this, but I suspect one of the weaknesses is the direction um Lin-Manuel Miranda is a genius and I will be a, an apologist for him all day long but at one of the emotional moments and I don't know what the song is called but it's the it's the part where Michael has just told uh, Jonathan that he is HIV positive it looked that song that they performed then looked like a parody of a emotion yeah. of an overly emotional film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there are other songs where almost again almost seem like a parody. Um, there is one where he has a decision to make, and it is the song is literally a narration of him going through the thoughts and going back to Magic of the Musicals. We took the piss the other day about an overly earnest song from <laughs> Come From Away. Um, yeah. Come From Away, because I'd never heard of it until this, is a, is a musical about a town in Canada where a load of aeroplanes assembled um, because they had to be taken out of the sky because it was September the 11th, 2001. So loads of planes that were in the air had to land in this small Canadian town and this Come From Away is the story of all what what went on in that town just as people... Mm-hmm came to a disaster but yeah and there is a song that was played on the radio the other day it's, it, it's clearly a um a female pilot who so is earnest. yeah and it's it's her just it's her life and all i mean it's it's wonderful in terms of the themes so she's saying you know she was she, when she tried to become a pilot because she was a woman she was really you know she was rejected people she was she mentions all these awful sexist things that happened to her and then then she's she's the first she goes, i'm the first i'm, I'm not gonna say it because i don't even know the the thing no. she's essentially now i'm the first pilot and i'm gonna be in the cockpit and all of this sort of business. and, and then head now, in the yeah. head in the school and the youngest captain and now yes. i've got a team of women behind me it's all of that sort of thing and then yes. and then um then it then she ends by singing something about the fact that there are terrible things happening in New York and it's just awful like it's like it's funny but it can't be funny because it's clearly referencing an awful event but it is terrible and it might work in the context of a show really I'm not sure because we saw it on a musical I mean it sounds like we just sit and watch musicals all day Uh, but we saw it on a musical's 
TV show. It was uh, Bonnie Lankford was doing it, wasn't she? Was with them um, the guy who plays the genie from Aladdin. Yes. And they were doing like it was during lockdown, and they were doing this sort of like revival show where they were like the theatre needs you, and please give them money. And so people who weren't able to perform because of lockdown came on this show and perform- and it. I'm sure it was on there that we first we were like, what is this? Yes. Where is this from? So yeah, I think it is truly terrible. But I I. I totally get, there's two two things I want to come back on. I totally get your point about the emotion because I got really, really near the end of it and thought, oh no, why don't I feel sadder than I do? Like, I am not being hit by this emotionally to the extent that I should be. I should be in absolute bits by now. Yes. Because it's a musical and I cry, I just cry at all musicals. Probably not come from away. But yeah, any sort of overly dramatic overly emotional singing to you know like and anything like that no matter really what they're doing it will it'll tend to make me cry just just the build-up of emotion and the release of it through song yeah and i felt the same way with the emotion however the song where he's narrating what he's thinking in his head while he's talking to his girlfriend which i think is the song that you're you're talking about where there's a, he's essentially having that argument with his girlfriend Susan and then he's narrating it in the back is that the one that you're thinking of the song I'm talking about is Johnny Can't Decide that... which is early ah, on in the right. first it's not. Act. it's not no, it's not no, the no. same one then because I love that mm. song where he's writing the song of the the argument and I quite I quite liked Johnny Can't Decide I know which one you're talking about yeah I mean it's not the best song in the show but yeah I didn't mind that at all I and and maybe for that one in particular I wonder whether it, it almost is a bit of a parrot. You know, it, there is that nod and a wink with it. Whereas I totally agree that the song that they sing when um, his friend Michael tells him he's HIV positive just doesn't have... It It just... The, I, and I agree, maybe it's the staging. Maybe they're so far apart. Maybe because Michael's up in this sort of soulless apartment. Uh, not apartment, it's, office a, block. it's an office block. And, and he's then looking he out the window yeah, and there's and rain yes, on the window. Yeah. And that, for me, it's... It was just a bit too much turning to the window and singing. Yes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I did... You know what I found more shocking and more powerful was when he says to Jonathan... I'm HIV positive, and then he follows that up with a line, something along the lines of, I might have a year if I'm lucky. lucky. And that was more powerful to me because that came, even though I knew it was set in the 90s, even though I understand what happened in that time, that still came as a major shock to me because I am so used now to people who I know who are HIV positive and, and the um, the news and the medical, you know, that those people are living full lives with no one saying, I have a year, you know? Yes. That was so shocking to me that it was almost like, it, and that, I don't know whether there was there wasn't any power in the fact that he was saying I'm HIV positive because you know it was just the other day where we heard that someone had been in inverted commas because I don't know too much about that but there was a suggestion that there was a cure or that the um that medically there'd been a movement uh, forward again in the treatment of HIV 
that when he said he was HIV positive, it just didn't dawn on me that that would be something that would shorten his life so dramatically. So when he says those words that follow up, that was more powerful than the song mm. that they sang. So there are these really important moments and I think towards the end you get the feeling that they're trying to tell you that Jonathan Larson did a lot in terms of social commentary. I didn't get that throughout the first three quarters of the film because the film was so focused on this idea of the author, of the person who is driven for eight years to write this musical that I didn't get that sort of, I didn't get that, oh, you're asking, he asks loads of questions and he's writing all this stuff down. That didn't speak to me as someone who's so interested in social commentary. That was that was saying to me, oh, here's someone who needs to write a song. So I, that didn't quite work for me either. So I'm probably the same as you at about four stars, and maybe for the same reasons. I suspect that if you um, know Rent, which we mm, don't, mm-hmm. um, that there will be a lot more in those words which oh, are picked I'm up. I'm totally, yeah. totally convinced. I mean, there's, there's cameo all the way through this. I don't know why I've just used that in a sort of like a cameo. Yes. <laughs> Rather than cameos. But anyway, yes. um, there's loads of people in this that we don't know. There's loads of references that we don't know. What I'm saying is, as someone who doesn't know his yeah. work, I would have liked to have seen more in the dialogue about him being interested in social issues and him having that that desire to produce social commentary because the majority of the time it's him being a dick to his friends and his girlfriend and it's all about the writing process which I really enjoyed I love that bit about the writing process and I like what the film has to say about writing but then at the end there was this whole thing oh Jonathan was really interested in social commentary I'm like well if you wanted that to be part of your film you maybe should have done that a bit earlier but isn't the point that he's written this Overly elaborate mm-hmm. uh, sci-fi rock opera, and he um, and the feedback he gets from his agent is write what you know. Yes. And so obviously the big thing that he writes is Rent, yeah. which is about a group of people who live in an apartment mm-hmm. in Greenwich Village, um, and around the time of HIV uh, yeah. coming out. Um. Yeah. Do you, how much do you know about Rent at all? Uh, none. Oh, Not really? Fair. I really, you've just. Yeah, you've just told me probably all I know about Rent. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> it's just something that ha- that's just not on my radar at all. Because there was a film version that was released. Oh, was there? Yes. And who was in that? Uh, so it was the original cast. And when was this? So this was mid-2000s, I think. Oh, so I must have it, just missed it. But it was, so it was the original Broadway cast, largely. So it was Tay Diggs. Uh, 2005, it was released. But... There was one change to the casting and instead of the main person playing Mimi, who is, um, I think she's a HIV positive heroin user, but one of the lead lead parts, um, the studio drafted in Rosaria Dawson. So oh, they, they had right, someone okay. in there who could sell... Uh, the, the film, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, fine. But, I mean, the it's Tay Diggs, it's Adina Menzel. I think that might have been one of the places where she got her, mm-hmm. um, where she got one of her breakthroughs. Yep. 
um, Anthony Rapp, who is oh, yes. shown on yeah, the, shown on, yeah, yeah um, mm. latterly of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, that's what I know him from. It's terrible, isn't it? He's yeah. obviously got this amazing career that I don't know about, but yeah, that's how I know him. Yeah, but yeah, so this is him. This is him writing what he knows, mm. and obviously that was his big success. And yeah. very tragically, he passed away the day before oh, its first public I mean, performance. That, that, that's is... the bit that got me. Yeah, that, that bit at the end where yes. they tell you what happened, and I knew mm. there was a, a, there was a tragedy. I didn't quite know what had happened. That he'd had this um, aortic aneurysm. Yeah. and had died just just yeah. before. I mean, I never got to see the success, and I think that so. Like I'm putting tr- my yeah. hand on my chest because yeah. it, oh, it's just heartbreaking. As someone isn't who it? is, obviously, this is a telling of a story, but so to driven towards the theatre. Yes. You know, he has a big argument with Michael about art versus commerce, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, the loss of anyone at thirty-five is obviously a tragedy, but yeah. yes, um, in those circumstances, in those, just just when you're about to hit, you know, to, yeah. about not necessarily just about the hitting the big time, but to see that you know you put that much effort in and you try and you try and you try again and the, you know I really like that line about the the agents that you know you write the next one and mm. then you write the next one and you see what sticks because when you do write and I'm in no way comparing myself to Jonathan Larson right <laughs> but yeah exactly it's gonna be fun exactly but when you do write it does happen I write things on an academic basis and I've also started writing commercially and there are things that I've written that I think are brilliant right and I send them out into the world. And no one reads it. But the thing that I don't think is particularly great that has a spelling mistake in the first page, loads and loads of people have picked up and I get quoted on it and I get people writing to me about it. And it's it's not my best work, but it's what's stuck. For, <laughs> for whatever reason, it's what's stuck. And so I love that idea of just, you know, and I, I think this has a lot to say for people who are aspiring writers in whatever field, that you've, you, you can spend eight years writing what you think is going to be your opus. But it just it just might not go anywhere. Or it might be the start of something or one one song or one line or one paragraph from that great big book or that great big musical might turn into the biggest song in the next one or the start, you know, chapter one in the next book. That's where I think it really it really got me. The creativity, the life of the writer. And that whole idea of that tick, 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 I, I understand that. I really understand that drive to write and that drive to be creative. And when you get into that zone where all you want to do is get this stuff out of your head and onto a page, when it's when you're doing when you're living your life and that stuff, you know, there's a part of your brain in the bottom right hand corner that is constantly writing a scene or thinking about restructuring something. I totally get that. I really, really do. And I am on this tiny, tiny, tiny little scale of, you know, compared to the people that we're looking at in this film and the people who have that sort of talent in real life. I'm only a weenie little ant. And if that's how I feel, I then totally get this idea of the ticking and the drive to fulfill that potential i've not got that much insight into <laughs> this <laughs> i feel a little bit uh, feel like i'm gonna let things down here <laughs> um, what did we think about the cast in this we, we've that, talked that, a that, lot that about was, the that film that was what i was going on to but yeah, uh, yeah. i didn't feel what did we think about the cast and um, so i think top to bottom 
Um, I, I love them. Um, mm. Andrew Garfield, I think he is... He doesn't look like Jonathan Larson, from no. what I can see. But he doesn't look like Andrew Garfield. Yeah. At no point did I think, oh, it's Andrew, oh, it's Andrew Garfield, Garfield playing something he here. older. I don't know about you, but he just sort of looked older and more world worn there was something about sort of the lines on his face and obviously he's got the hair it might just be andrew garfield <laughs> well, yeah, 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 no, but yeah no, there was some, there was, and physically as well at times he seemed to get really big and broad and thick in the neck and yes. then at other times he was smaller and like i thought it was such a physical performance there's a beautiful bit where he's dancing with michael in the apartment in michael's new apartment and it's yeah. almost like michael's floating through the air and and it's it's absolutely beautifully choreographed mm. and i thought wow he can dance like he's he is totally matching everyone else in this film yeah has he done any singing roles before i have no idea I'm, he is a He's a triple header. Yeah, he's, oh yeah, isn't he just? Yeah. Um, I think Alexandra Ship, who plays mm. his girlfriend, is yeah. lovely in this. Yeah. Um, do you know what you've seen her in before? No, please tell me. She was Storm in the oh. rebooted X-Men. Oh, right, okay. Um, and she also, I mean, she was in uh, Straight Outta Compton. Was she? Oh, it's been a long time since I've seen that. Yeah, okay. I've seen it quite recently, but mm. uh, even I can't quite place her in it. Yeah. So um... she has a beautiful, quiet presence. I felt. I yeah. thought there was a real stillness to her, which makes sense when you're thinking about it in terms of a film, like film quality. In yeah. that, he, if he's so manic, which he is, and he's full of whiz bang and mm. energy, and she has to be still. You know, she. You've got to. And and there's the song towards the end where he's, you know, he's singing. Again, I don't know the song, but he's singing about sometimes. You know when you you're in love with someone, but you know you're not right for each other. Essentially, you're yeah. two different people, and they are. They're two completely different people, and perhaps you know it wasn't meant to be. But yeah, I think that really that really captured the the difference between them. Yes, I think it's a it's a lovely love story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can totally understand the decisions that she is making. The decisions, although I don't. I could agree with the decisions that he is making around the, the relationship. I can totally, I can empathise with them. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think, I mean, look, the, the tortured artist that's obsessed with his work is a tale as old as time, but I think this, and the, and the love of his life, who is no longer willing to put up with this crap, mm. we've heard it a million times, we've seen it a million times, but I didn't feel it was... I didn't feel it was a tired trope in this, no. which which is the danger in in this sort of stories. Um, I mean, Robin de Jesus as I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, mm-hmm. but as Michael, um, I think he's very charismatic. Yeah. I think uh, very poignant. Obviously, um, particularly given um, what we learn later on in the in the film, but also just again that foil to Michael. Actually, I think it's a love story in two parts. I think yes, you've got the Susan love story, but. The major love story in this film is between these two men. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And that have been together yeah. since school, that have sat up late at night, where, um, you know, and later on in life, uh, Michael has uh, confided in Jonathan that he's mm. gay. And, you know, really, really beautiful love between two men. And uh, again, seeing the the ups and downs in the relationships and that, you know, Michael is is not 
putting up with Jonathan's um, <laughs> complexities yes. and he's trying to talk sense into him and he's, he's um, very much on the you know the side of, of Susan and also mm. it's interesting to see that Jonathan is shut down emotionally to Susan but also to Michael as well yeah. um, from quite a large amount of the film so it really it's, I think it, it just shows like you say that tortured artist that that moment where you're so involved in something that you forget about the other things in life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you make of Vanessa Hudgens in this? So I had no idea that was Vanessa Hudgens until at the end um, of the film, we looked at the credits and then we we went through various people and we saw who were was the wids and we saw a Lin-Manuel a Lin Manuel Miranda film, which we thought was no, a film by Lin Manuel. Oh, Manuel Miranda. Miranda. yeah. And then there was the and, and the and was <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens. I don't know Vanessa. Like, who is Vanessa Hudgens? Like, you do know I, Vanessa Hudgens. I... She has she has been the star of a date night film before now. Has she? Yes. Oh, really? She's the lead in High School Musical. Oh. And you had a bit of a go at her when we watched High School I Musical. I hated her in High School Musical. Yes. I thought she was awful. Wow, she's come on. I, I don't think she has. I think oh, I, right. I think you were incredibly unfair with me. <laughs> like it was, it was almost like you know, do you have any criticize my friend when you did that? It was. Uh, I, no. Okay. Well, I I thought she was great. I mean, mu- music. I don't think she has much to do. To be honest with you, um, I think she is part of the chorus. I think the staging in the song therapy is is her moment. Okay. Um, do you where know where, she, where she's the she? Oh, does she sight read? Yes, she does. She comes. No, in. no, 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 no. Some therapy is the one that her and Andrew Garfield perform on stage. Oh, that one that I love. Oh, is this the That's one that the you one love? I love? That's where the one I love. They are yeah. almost acting like marionettes, marionettes. On, on stage. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah I mean, mirroring their actions. So complicated as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, with you on that one. Totally with you. Well, I think that's. Um, I think yeah, we've all learned yeah, something about yeah, this. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know. Which you were very, very that. unfair to her. I don't think I just didn't enjoy the performance. That's all. But look, <laughs> I didn't even know it was her. Yeah, fine. Um, I mean, Joshua Henry is the other member of the chorus. Yeah, yeah Again, I think he has very good. he has less to do. Yes. but he's a very, very good singer. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm sure when I click on his name on Wikipedia, I will get. Mm. Yep, he played Aaron Bear in the first US oh, tour of Hamilton. I use it Hamilton. Yeah, of course. Well, loads of these people must be from. Hamilton. I mean, obviously, I mean, we've mentioned cameos a million times. You've got people from within musical theatre in terms of the production. Yes. You've got living legends of yes. musical musical theatre like Bernadette Peters, um, the lady who played, I know, I can't remember her name, but the lady who played the original Anita on um, West Side Story and in, uh, I think she might have been in Chicago as well. She was there. there. There are people from lots of other musicals that I haven't heard of, but obviously if you're a big Broadway fan, yeah. you will know these these people. And obviously the uh, the ladies of Hamilton rock up at one point as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, Philippa Sue uh, is, you were like, who's she? And yeah, I, was like, I recognise her. Them. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit annoying. Mm. I, when we when we reviewed Hamilton, I said like, yeah. he just put himself in the center of things. And mm. in this thing, in this um, <laughs> in this show of Broadway legends, he just put the cameo of himself in of the himself. kitchen. And I've just read on something that he put his, he's put his dad in there as well. So he's just got oh, all of his mates. I mean, I, 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 look, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Like it, it is. I think. It's a it's a cast of friends, yeah. isn't it? And then you've got Bradley. Is it Whit Whitford? Bradley Whitford, Whitford yes. Um, playing 
Stephen Sondheim, who very sadly passed away recently. Yeah, two weeks after the release of oh, this. Oh, yeah. God, what yeah. Um, and I, I love Sondheim. What? Uh, oh, it's so com- his stuff is so complex. You just think, how on earth did you come up with this stuff? Into the woods. Into the woods. Um, my favorite is uh, Sweeney Todd. Yes. Um, incredibly dark. Yes. Incredibly dark, but lyrically just oh, sumptuous. So yeah, I loved Bradley Whitford as as Stephen Sondheim. I thought he captured him beautifully. Yeah, he does. He presence, really, really the, does. The, the tilt of the head and just that he was such an unassuming man. You know, I love the fact that when he walks into the the performance of the of Larson's first musical and there's a reserved seat at the front for him, yes. he quietly sneaks in at the back and sits on the left and doesn't, you know. Oh, I didn't take it that the seat was reserved for for oh, Sondheim. Really? I took it that the seat was reserved for Susan. Oh, right. Wow. I, I thought it was Sondheim because he's waiting for him and waiting for him. And I then think eventually he's, no, I saying, think I, I, he's not I took it as he was waiting for Susan. Oh right. And then obviously at the end when he's performing Tick Tick Boom it, there is yeah. there is also a, a seat reserved for her because okay. she's still at the back. Oh maybe I'm wrong. I I took it as this as he's waiting for so, you know, with the great the great Sondheim. And I I Well then Manuel Miranda, if you're listening, <laughs> um could you fill us. us in on this? Just tell us. And I'm sure and he is. I said to you during the film there's a there's a part where Sondheim then rings Larson and leaves a voicemail um on his old cassette. Yes. Uh, recording device and he says you know look it's great stuff um love to speak to you come and see me blah 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 and i think if in any other situation i would be thinking oh this is so contrived is it, of course he's gonna have the great sondheim ring him and but i know for a fact that this is what sondheim did he worked with up-and-coming mm. people. He was so well-known for his generosity, and he did it very quietly. And a lot of people came out after he died and said, you know what, he came to see me, he really took an interest in what I was doing, um, you know, and these are all things that he did quietly without any fanfare. And I think that's wonderful, because I, I was glad I knew that. Because I think it wouldn't have rang true, and then it absolutely rang true. I, I totally agree. I totally, totally agree. Um, do you know who my favourite cameo was? Go on then. I might not know who they are. So Rosa Stevens, his agent. Yes. Is played by Judith Light. Judith Light. Who's that? I'm gonna. If I say you're Angela, do you even nope. know? So she played Angela. Right. Who is the lead in Who's the Boss? Never heard of it. Okay, Never right. Never heard of it. Um, you will. Right. Because it is the thing that the upper hand is based on. Oh, really? Yeah. The American version, the original of, yeah, the upper hand. With with the with, with McGann brother? Well, and... no, with Tony Danza. <laughs> as, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. So she's the original Belinda, someone or other. Is it, was it someone called Belinda that... Oh, am I thinking 2.4 children? But yeah, I Belinda, think I am. yeah, Belinda was in... 2.4 children. Uh, mixing my um my 90s sitcoms. So, let's have a look. Oh, God, so there's you, lots of different versions. So you know her from there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it it was on at the same time. Oh. And they had the... Like, uh, it, when I was, like, seven, I did not quite understand why there was this American version show. Actually, it was... I would have been about 10 by the looks of it. I think when the uphand took off, they started showing Who's the Boss? And then I thought it was a rip-off of... The upper hand, but in the exact same set, virtually, like 
the layout of the house was the same. Diane Weston played Caroline, who was also an advertising executive in, in The Upper Hand. Oh, well. It's a ni- nice transition over to Sitcomville. <laughs> yes, yes. What's your favourite song? I quite like 3090. <laughs> Because I, think... I like the build of it, and I like the the like it lyrically. I don't, uh, and I like the one where they like the puppets, where he's having an argument with his girlfriend. The big ballady ones didn't really do it for me. I suspect this is sacrilege for people who love these songs. I wasn't that blown away by them. It wasn't like I was sitting here going, "Wow, I've really got to listen to that. I've never heard this song before." But I'm that's just absolutely captured me. I liked the not jaunty, but I liked the ones that had a bit more to them. Mm. The the two so the two that become sort of the franchise songs are "Come to Your Senses," mm. which is the big song that he's written in the swimming pool, yeah, a bit where you see. Uh, Susan singing it along with Vanessa yeah. Hudgens. It's mm. if that... It wasn't for me, I'm afraid. And when mm. I, I loved the idea of the sw- you know, when he's swimming and then he sees the notes in front. I thought that was beautifully rendered. I was kind of then let down by you what should, the song was. You should really watch In the Heights because there is a lot of that is sort there? of imagery. Yeah, I did that. wonder whether yeah. it's very, very Lin Lin Manuel. Yes, probably. And then Louder Than Words is the big finale song that he finishes mm-hmm. up on. Um, yeah, so they're the two ones that I've heard of. Uh, but I, I agree, I think 3090 is the best mm. one. Um, no More is actually a fun song as well. Because no I think is the, it's the one where they're going to the new apartment. And, oh, yes, yes. I feel and that again, is, that's more upbeat. And, and I feel that that is the one song where you see the connection between the two yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah. It feels more of a duet rather than just two people singing. Yes. Um, and obviously the choreography is brilliant mm-hmm. and the staging of the apartment in black and white mm-hmm. with the new apartment being so yeah. lush. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked that. I think I quite often will put like musicals on, yes. uh, musical songs on YouTube so I can see them done. Like even things like um, Stick to the Status Quo from High School Musical, which I unironically love. I just love that it all comes together at that point mm-hmm. and it's a great ensemble piece. But yeah, I, I think that this film, ironically enough, is missing a big ensemble piece. But then, yeah. You're going off what he yes, wrote. Yes, going off yeah, what he wrote, yeah. 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 I mean, could stuck one in and... Um, <laughs> what, like an original? Yeah, stuck, stuck one in. Got the best original you know, song. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's got enough shots at it yeah. this year. Although I'm still annoyed that we don't talk about Bruno isn't nominated. All right, Mark, let it go. You've mentioned it twice now in this podcast. <laughs> I've just had an entire week of Mark singing We Don't Talk About Bruno from Encanto, just in case no one knows what, what it all means. And also dropping it into a conversation. Yeah, it's really annoying. Or when you're just driving in the car and Mark just said, we don't talk about Bruno. And does that over and over and over again when you're really trying to concentrate on something else. And then when you tell me to stop mm-hmm. and me say, we don't talk about We Don't Talk About Bruno. Yep, like exactly that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Ch- ch- painting a chilling picture of our life. Oh, totally chilling. Totally chilling. <laughs> Horrific. <laughs> I really wanted to make a Will Smith joke, but I don't think it's. Why? What? Why do you want to make a Will Smith joke? Tick, 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 tick. Oh, boom. right. Yes. But of then course, I, I, yeah. I, I felt more emotionally connected to this. Than yeah, I might. yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it's a little bit. Uh, well, yeah. I think it's fair enough. Yeah. Get it out your system. Yes. But yeah. 
boom, shake, shake, shake the room. Indeed. Mm. But no, thank you. That's a brilliant film oh, to watch. Well, you, I really enjoyed welcome. it. Good. Um, and yeah, it's it's got me primed for... Is it next no, week? already, aren't you? Or is it two weeks? Mm, well, BAFTAs are on... Tomorrow. This is going to date the podcast. Yeah, BAFTAs are on tomorrow, so, which is a Sunday night. And I think it's the 27th. Okay, the 27th Oscars. of March. Yes. Yes, okay. I mean, there might not be, but... Um, yeah, hey. Yeah. 28th. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. Right. The, the 27th oh, of in America, 28th. Yeah, in America, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not staying up for them this not time Not staying around. up. No. 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 I'm not going to see all the films because I've got three more to see. Um, I watched Don't Look Up, um, which... Ugh. I mean, they've got a much hiding away some Oscar uh, things in there. Let's do a podcast on the Oscar things <laughs> before, before okay. there. Okay. And... And I was, I'm going to put this in here. Let's do our Oscar picks as part of that. Right. And the one who wins gets the next date night. Okay. But, but all any film is on the table. Okay, right. So you can pick some... I think we pick something that... I think typically we pick something which the other person will probably like. Mm-hmm. Not from what you've done for me previously. <laughs> I got crank wrong. You got Jaws 3D wrong. No. Yeah. I didn't think you would like that one. <laughs> I, I never pick it. the ones that I think you're going to like. I just pick the ones that you haven't seen and that I like. Maybe and I'm coming at date night a bit you, wrong. And you're claiming that you're the tortured one yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in this relationship. <laughs> I did. <laughs> right. Uh, let's leave it there. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you want to listen to other episodes of this podcast, we are available anywhere you get a podcast. And you can also find us at The Honeymoon Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Did you forget that then? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. Um, it would really mean a lot to us if you'd leave us a review on iTunes or drop us a, a nice star rating on Spotify. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.